Welcome to episode 46 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This week, we'll hang out with our good friend, Josh Fortino. He's a designer at Teespring. He advises startups. He is an amazing, amazing photographer. And it was really fun getting to talk about the things that make us excited. We're getting some really awesome, awesome response to our new network called Spec. If you haven't checked it out, we launched a website. It's at spec.fm. Or you can follow us on Twitter, at spec.fm is our handle. Uh, we're building a resource to help designers and front-end developers. And to start, we teamed up with another podcast called Developer T. So if you're interested in any front-end development, we highly recommend checking out that show. Otherwise, uh, just check out spec.fm to see what we're working on. Uh, we hope you are enjoying it and will follow us on Twitter. Before we get into the show, let's thank our sponsors. Our first sponsor is once again, Dropbox. Dropbox is a free storage tool in the cloud. At least the, the base model is free. It, it's amazing. We use it for all of our files, all of our work files, all of our life files, all of our recording files, sketch files, Photoshop files, logic files. Are, are you getting the picture here? Asterix files. I actually just had to set up a new uh, Dropbox for work account this week, and it is the best. The best experience I've ever had setting up a file syncing backup storage management system. It's Did you install amazing. it locally this time? Uh, yeah. I know you usually use the web interface. Yeah, I, I have a weird, weird person. Um, we love Dropbox, so it does make this show possible. and we It's are... really awesome. Um, so we use it for sharing files, which is amazing. You can request files from people who don't even have Dropbox accounts now. You can share files instantly with a link and you see them in a web viewer. Lots of different file types are supported for that. You can comment right in line on a document. You can do all these things that you just couldn't do before. It even supports like a um, collaborative editing in uh, Microsoft Word and PowerPoint and Excel, which is crazy. They're doing a lot of things that we wouldn't normally think of to do. So Basically, they're building awesome tools for not only computer users, but also for designers. And they're supporting shows like ours to help hopefully make the design community a little bit better. So thanks so much to Dropbox. Our second sponsor is Icon Finder, the Copen homies. Icon Finder has been with us for a long time. If you haven't heard, they are the best way to find and download and purchase. They have over 500 thousand icons in their library they're adding thousands more every month and it just covers every single style format and type you might ever need so no matter what kind of project you're working on icon finder is going to make it easy to find the perfect icon and icon set to really bring life to your project icon finder has a great service called icon finder pro uh, it starts at just a few bucks a month and it gives you access to 25 icon downloads every single month and one of our favorite things is that 70% of the money that they make from this pro service is paid straight back to the original icon designers, uh, several of whom we know. So they are supporting the design community by giving back and paying for these icons. And it's just a great service in general. Uh, their icons are, first of all, vectors, so they're going to work at any size and resolution. Uh, they're going to work in any software you might be using, whether that's Sketch or Photoshop or just straight in the browser and tons of different styles. So you can search for any kind of icon. It's going to give you lots of variations so you find the perfect one for your project. We love them. They are awesome and have supported the show for a long, long time. We hope you'll check them out. Go to IconFinder.com. And if you sign up for IconFinder Pro, be sure to use the code ROBOT at checkout and that'll save you 50% off your first month of Icon Finder Pro. Thank you so much to our sponsors. With that, let's get into episode 46 with Josh Sortino.
What are you working on right now? What am I working on right now? Ooh. And remember, your boss is listening. I've got... We're working on something really cool, and I can't... Oh, I can't say exactly what it is. Because, because it's t-shirts? That, it's really big. That vicious t-shirt industry? No, no, no. It's like... It's like bigger than t-shirts. Um, so bigger than guns. Extra large tees. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's really it's okay. If you want to launch your own brand and use some assets that maybe aren't yours, but maybe done. I'm in. Maybe I'm sold. you know a, a bigger brand. Pokemon. I just want Pokemon that, t-shirts. That would be cool. Custom Pokemon t-shirts. We'll we'll reach out to them. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely reach out to them. You look like a Squirtle or a Charizard kind of guy. A Squirtle. Print is a squirtle. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's a squirtle turtle. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. And it turns into Blastoise. That thing has cannons coming out of its shell, dude. Actually, Blastoise is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah Blastoise you don't fuck with Blastoise, man. Imagine Squirtle. Yes. I'm, I'm doing that right now. Now what? Oh. He's imagining turtle Squirtle at Teespring, though. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Specifically so, in a Teespring context. So... Uh, basically uh the stuff that we're working on right now that's the coolest is all around being able to launch and build your own brand without putting like any effort other than the idea itself right so everyone can be the idea guy everybody can be the idea guy it's it's the dream it is right like everybody has tons of ideas and like they always stop right there because you're like well i don't know what to do after this I don't know how to handle shipping. I don't know how to acquire customers. I, you know, that's it. I have a good idea and it'll probably die right here. So, so for people that aren't familiar, tell us what Teespring does right now for customers. Right now, what Teespring does for customers is we allow anyone to create uh, custom apparel and we handle the shipping, the customer support. Um, we give you great tools that you can use that help you market uh, your, your merchandise. Right now, we are are sh- primarily selling shirts and hoodies, um, and we definitely have a lot more on the roadmap. Cool. And what are you working on? Like, well, how are you involved? What's your role, and what are you working on day to day? Yeah. So, uh, my primary role is to help the team make sure that uh, we're being helpful to all of the different initiatives within the company, um, the design team. Uh, and also individual contributor uh, in any way I can. Right now, I'm I'm working on some of the creation tools um, and some of the uh, some of like the uh, the brand tools that uh, are going to come into play very soon. So cool, that's awesome. You also spend a lot of time doing freelance stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, I actually I would say it's more like um, advisory roles in companies. Okay. I try to try to limit the amount of work I do outside of my day job um, in terms of like actual pixels. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I love businesses and I love helping uh, build things. And I love helping other people build things. So uh, one of those uh, companies that I've been working with is called Bento. Uh, And it's basically the concept is you can customize your own Bento box. You can select you know, main dishes, side dishes, and have it delivered to you within 15 minutes. Which is pretty crazy. No, nothing in this city gets delivered in 15 minutes. Yeah. No, it's it, it's pretty cool. Um, I would say it's it's between like 15 and 20 minutes, but that, like that's still like pretty darn that's good. That's really impressive. City, yeah. So. Which side do you like or are you having the most fun with right now on, on the advisory side or some of the Teespring? Oh, I mean, work? 
that's <laughs> that's like hard to pick because <laughs> you're, you're going back and forth between like two completely different roles one is more about uh being strategic on a high level and the other is more strategic on a uh smaller more granular level right so do you call yourself a design advisor is that like the title yes that's that's the title um i think i think it's something i'd like to see a lot more in the industry as well yeah i was actually curious like if that is a very popular thing because certainly you're one of the few people i know that does anything like that yeah i think it is going to become more popular uh, you've seen it a lot for product. You've seen uh, product advisors, but it hasn't really taken off with designers. And if design wants a seat at the table, you know you have to you have to start at the same point that product starts as well. Um, they go hand in hand. So, so business goals. Yeah, really. It, <laughs> it's you know a lot of. A lot of designers need to start focusing more on like the business goals and less on their own personal stylistic opinions and and their own goals. Gotcha. Designers are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you how did you end up working with Bento and getting in touch with them? I worked uh, with something called the Launch Incubator, which is an incubator that takes in about six to eight companies uh, every semester, and uh, I started just as like a helper in the group uh pitching in uh, actually what they would do is every week uh they would all like show off their app show off what they've been working on and i just i i was attending just for fun and i started taking notes i was like man there are so many things i see that i could like help with like that i'll just give away this free advice yeah yeah i wasn't looking to make a buck or anything off of it and uh, pretty soon, like companies just started like approaching, like, "Hey, wow. uh, that was great advice. Can you help us with this? Uh, can you help us with that?" And at some point, I was like, "Okay, I'm giving away so much advice now. Like, if you're interested, like, you know, I can take an advisory role uh, in your company, and uh, I think it's great. You know, I, I forgo cash. I ask for equity only because an early stage startup, you know, they don't want to burn through all of their cash right away." And also, it's in your best interest to help them succeed. Right. Yep. So I think that's a great mix. You're betting on your ability to give good advice. Absolutely. Even in a small part. Yep. And most advisory roles are that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're interested, uh, look up FAST Advisory Agreement. It's like a template that's pretty standard in the industry. It's F-A-S-T Advisory Agreement. FAST F-A-S. <laughs> F-A-S-T How do you spell fast? Fast? <laughs> Sorry, I'm giving you shit <laughs> Well, it's it's like all caps uh, It stands for something I don't know what it stands for mm. No, I've heard of a lot of people taking stock for advisory roles lately um, I, I believe Arandu does that I yep. believe, uh, Sam Sophus has a few setups that way But but it seems like you're more doing it out of actually just wanting to do the work and give the advice and not so much like hoping for a payoff because but, but mainly for the money well the <laughs> odds are stacked against you of getting a payout for equity it is very true yeah. it is very true um you know it's a, it's a lot like uh, so my real reason for doing it is um i like to be involved in companies in the very early stages i like i love making things right that's really what it comes down to the problem with is the way things are set up in our economy our uh, or our legal system is you must meet a certain threshold to be 
an, a, uh, an investor in early stage companies. I think it's something like one million in assets uh, other than your primary residence, which that's a lot. <laughs> or you have to be around like 300K a year or something if you're married or maybe more. I think it's like 350 now or so. I don't know what it is. But, uh, you know, those are pretty tough guidelines to meet. Uh, but I wanted to get involved in these companies early stage. So I was like, okay, well, I know another way I can get equity. I'll just, instead of investing my cash, invest my time. Uh, so I, it's kind of like a backdoor into angel investing for me. Um, what are some of the other early stage companies that you're excited about right now? Uh, some of the early stage companies I'm excited about. Uh, there's a there's a lot of cool ones right now. I think I think anything that can help make businesses more modular. So um, when I look at Teespring, the way we're cutting out customer service and shipping so that you can launch your idea. I see other companies creating certain components that'll help other businesses. Like one is like Ship. I think mm-hmm. it's really cool how they've basically they're building this model where you can basically just ship anything like just take a picture of it and they come to your door and they pick it up you don't have to worry about like you know the box or anything like that like that cuts out so much effort there's companies that actually ship using ship like for all of their fulfillment stuff so t people ben chen's company uh, of boba guys it, it's all ship I, I got ship stickers in my first package and i was like what what is going on and i asked ben about it and he was like yeah they just take care of everything for us. Usually you'd think it would be cheaper to just have someone do all of it, but it ended up being way cheaper to just use Ship. That's awesome. Yeah, Ship's great. Yeah, so that, that's one company. Um, I think, and I don't know who's going to win this battle, but whoever figures out the logistics side of things, so things need to get transported, right? And you have all of these companies that are trying to get into the game, like Uber, um, Lyft, uh, so postmates yep postmates um there's sidecar is actually uh, i just learned the way that uber does uber pool sidecar will pick you up but if you choose the pool option they could also be picking up a package so like instead of it being a person they're just picking up a package and then that package gets dropped off maybe after you get dropped off actually i think the whole package thing happens before you get in the car and after you get in the car so you don't even know the package is there it just takes a little longer for it to get to you that's weird to pick you up but like i think i don't know that that sort of stuff is cool to me like these are all components that businesses need yeah and eventually like they'll all fit together i wonder about i mean i don't know anything about those kinds of markets but like how does something like that really impact um i'm trying to think like is the business for that in say san francisco really big enough to support something huge or is intercity transport where the real money is for carriers i.e fedex and ups and all that that is a hundred billion dollar question hundred billion i don't know it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a lot of dollars <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty cool though like i look at it like an api for the real world no that's, right? well that gets back to your, what you're saying about this whole modularity concept yep. and so before we started recording you're saying you were super excited about people being able to make companies out of all these modular yep. tools right yep so what are some other things like you see people using that maybe listeners could look at uh, to start a company or build a business? Yeah, um, some other things to look at. I would say, uh, I know this is a random one and this isn't really a component, uh, but if, if you kind of tilt your head and squint, <laughs> it is a component, which is actually the Facebook ad platform. So customer acquisition is like one of the hardest parts of starting a company. 
And the reason is you have to find the people who want to listen, right? Or who are interested. And the Facebook ad platform, like I've been using it for a lot of like random small things. Um, and it's like, it's super specific. Like you can really target the audience you want. So, you know, I have some ideas and if I build them at some point and launch them, like I'll definitely be using that to try to find like my first few customers. I'll, I'll tweet it as well. Of course, like there's some people interested there, but um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of, of companies uh, that are out there right now. What about on the design side? What are tools designers can use to, to do some of this stuff? I think, I think there's been a huge gap on the finished design to code. Mm-hmm. Like someone is going to figure that out at some point. They keep trying, doing stupid Everyone's things like CSS so hat and whatnot, and all these plugins that write really bad code. Yep. Someone is going to figure that out, though, right? It, and I, I think mean, at some point it's math, right? Like it, math is something that can be like solved to a degree, right? And it can't be that complex. The problem is HTML. <laughs> like I think I think it has to get to a point. Motherfucking where, HTML. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so. You're man. not blaming CSS for this. And, oh, C- CSS. I really should okay. be blaming CSS. Oh, dude, functional CSS is so good. It'll eventually get to the point where, like, CSS will get to the point where it is possible to just spit out beautiful code. And I think, like, that's a huge gap. And I also think that that shifts the industry as a whole as well. We're already getting to the point where visual design is more about functionality than it is style, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's still a style aspect, but really the essence of d- design at this point, or UI design, I should say, is making something functional and understandable. Um, once, like, that thing can write code, like, it, it changes everything, right? That's what the grid is, right? Yeah, yeah that's what I was actually going to mention. That's their goal. The grid's trying to... Design well, terminators. Guess, maybe you know this, but it's trying to abstract away this whole process of having to make decisions in CSS or HTML and just giving you sort of the building blocks. Overriding humans. Yeah, AI. I'm down with that. The thing is, logic is so complex. Like, we'll always find ways to, like, make things more complicated on the logic side. Also, so. humans are wrong and they think they're right. And that's the hardest thing to argue with. <laughs> Very true. But okay, so another piece of the chain that I noticed that you had launched recently was you launched a storefront for your photography. Yes. Yeah. That, that seems like a really great piece to me. Like, I believe you use Shopify. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. The fact that they're making these storefronts available to do all the payment processing, brilliant. Like, that's a piece that's so hard to set up on your own. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. I was like, my goal, and like, you know, if, you, if I would have done this five years ago, I'm the kind of guy that would have like built it from scratch. Right. Like, I would have like, I would have tried to roll my own first. I would I, like, I would never have used some platform, but these platforms are getting so good. Um, and like I had people keep asking me like, when are you going to sell your photos? And I was like, okay, I'm going to set a rule. I'm only going to set aside one hour to like launch, like set up my store and launch it. I looked at a bunch of platforms and I was like, okay, this is the one that I know I can do it in one hour. And I was pretty close. I think it ended up being like an hour and a half, but um, that was that was my goal. It's a pretty solid endorsement. That's insane. Well, how's everything <laughs> I have no going? Affiliated with Shopify. How's the store going? Uh, good. Yeah, I've had like uh, I'd say about twelve sales, which I didn't really market it. I was that's more than I expected originally. Um, They're pretty in- incredible you photos. Ha- you have a really cool <laughs> photography story. I feel like could you tell us how you got into that? Yeah. So you know, it's weird. I think I've always just loved photography and just like the visuals of life. 
Um, and I think that comes from my grandfather, who... I'm tearing up already. Uh, yeah, no, this is, a, this is a, an emotional story. My grandfather, who uh, used to share his copies of National Geographic with me. Every time I'd go visit him, I'd visit him like once a week. And in these books, uh, or magazines, I should say, they're like books, they're so thick. Uh, you know, there's all these pictures around the world of like interesting things and like things that I didn't know existed and places that I didn't know like could be real. And I didn't really know it, but like that's that's where my love of photography started. It's almost more than just a love of photography; it's a love of travel. Uh, when my my grandfather passed away, uh, he left me all of his camera gear. There's about fifteen different cameras. Um, none of them were fancy cameras. There was no like Leicas or Hasselblads or anything like that. Um, a lot of Pentax, a lot of cheaper stuff. But um, he, yeah, he was a wedding photographer, so. He, he knew the craft very well, and my dad kind of knew a little bit as well. So I, I kind of set, it at, set out a mission to like start learning more about photography after that point. And uh, yeah, I think you know most of it just comes from the heart. Like I watched a few YouTube videos, but the rest of it, I'm just like, I'm shooting what I want to see in like places that I want to go. So you've been to some amazing places. Um, were you in Zion? Uh, I went to the Mojave. Mojave, that's right. That was actually like an insane story. So I kind of planned the day a little bit wrong. We get to the we get to the sand dunes, and I didn't realize how tall these sand dunes were. They're like hundreds of feet. I was thinking like, oh, we'll just show up, walk out of the car. There's going to be sand in front of us, and like I'll get some cool photos. No, it's like a it's like a freaking mountain that you have to climb of sand of yeah. sand, right? <laughs> and like. It's it's not like straight up either. It's like you go up and then you go down and then you go up again and then you go down. So and uh, Elise is all dressed up for photos. Yeah, and <laughs> and Elise is all dressed up for photos. I'm carrying a drone, a kite, my camera gear, um, which you know I don't I won't do that again. Um, you always have that kite, dude. I, lo- <laughs> I love the kite. It's so fun. It's so I bought it. I bought two more kites. <laughs> we got to put that photo in. And there. there's a kite fest next week in Berkeley. If, if yeah, we, we have yep. a photo from the time we went out and where he's just sprinting trying to get the <laughs> kite to go, but it's actually like hooked up wrong. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hook it up. It's uh-huh. yeah, I, I know who hooked it up. <laughs> it was pretty amazing though. It's actually it's one just of such the best a good photo anyone's taken of me. <laughs> so it ended up working out. Anyway, the sun is setting. And I'm like, oh, great. We're going to have to sprint to like the top of this sand dune. And it took about an hour. Like it wasn't a straight sprint, but it was like sprint, 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 walk, 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 like for about an hour on the sand. And like we, oh, when we got to the top, we literally collapsed. Like I'm not just saying that we collapsed. And then the sun like hit all of the sand dunes. Like this was the tallest one. And you could see all the sand dunes in front of you. It was, it was incredible. So the shots you got were amazing. I mean, it really, like, it really the hell like did he that. go? <laughs> I, I was like taking photos and I was like screaming. I was like, look at these photos. They look so good. <laughs> so what's your, what's your current setup? My current setup is an A7S, Sony A7S. Uh, and I primarily use the 1635 Zeiss. Uh, but I am selling the A7S to get the A7R2, uh, which is the new camera that just came out. Um, these, these things are basically just changing the the world in terms of photography um people are like switching over to sony and the masses right now so it's pretty cool there are much smaller cameras Uh um which is one of the reasons i got it i didn't want to carry around like a really big dslr so i've seen a lot of complaints from people like sebastian 
to with about like how the battery life is comparatively but it, it, when it's so small i mean when the, you know, like, it's so small battery. and the battery is like small enough that like i keep like like four with me and the size mm-hmm. that like other cameras can like only have one right? i went out shooting with Didi a couple weekends ago and he had so many batteries in his backpack he was so anti-sony when i got my <laughs> camera and then he saw it and like read a lot of other reviews and stuff and he ended up switching so it seems like a win to me. Uh, I was just excited that Christoph, he is an A7S as yeah, well. He's the one who convinced me to get one. I have like a shitty Sony Next 5R. It's like the bottom of the barrel in the Sony family. And Christoph goes, oh, here, use this lens. And all of a sudden, my photos are just so <laughs> much better because he's got these amazing lenses and stuff. It was great. Yeah. It's so good. The are lens st- is very important. Are you still taking photos, Brent? I'm trying. I, uh, I've i been using the GoPro a lot. I've been taking a lot of videos from oh, my motorcycle. Yeah, you got a GoPro. It's been pretty good. Got it for Prime Day. Wait, didn't you? Yeah, like two days ago. Yeah, that's cool. Are you putting? I, I just. Are you I, putting I've been taking anywhere? a lot of photos anyway, but I'm really bad at editing them, so I have not put them anywhere. <laughs> they just live in my photo library. Oh, that's my question for you. Um, maybe we're getting a little sidetracked from design, but I take a lot of photos and put them in Lightroom, and then I just am like, all right, I don't have time to do yep. all like this whole phase. That's like all the time goes into that yep that's like honestly that's half the work if you're shooting digital yeah right um sounds like you should be a film guy honestly like i think i'll switch thanks <laughs> <laughs> if you're shooting film you don't have to do anything in post-process right all you have to do is take the photos and get them developed i had so much fun developing photos in photography class back in the day like that was one do you of my feel like you things. have to be better to do film no like not at all really not at all nope you not don't think all. there's more of a um, an aspect of like going blind a little bit i think not being able to just click 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 i think you might have to be patient but if you're patient film is a very viable option Hmm. i think we live in a world where like impatience is encouraged right like we're constantly you've heard this a million times we're constantly checking our phones and getting notifications so we're trained to basically like just point shoot and hold it down for you know five minutes but no, yeah, you, if you shoot film, be patient. In your head, it, always be thinking about what it is you're trying to capture. You know, is it an emotion? Is it an object? What is the story behind this? And you can create amazing photographs. Are you doing any film work? Not as much now. I did a little bit uh, with some of those cameras I got. I, I probably spent like a good week like polishing them all and taking photos with them. Um, what ended up happening for me was i wanted to i wanted to really create photos that i could print and put on my walls um that's a cool goal. and and like you unfortunately like film yeah you can do that with film but i wanted to like i wanted to do like big prints and i wanted them to be real crisp and clean and i had to go digital for that so you've gotten some amazing photos like an empty golden gate bridge is one of my favorites yeah that was so we uh we were gonna go to Mirror Woods and Point Reyes and the bridge is closed and if if you know San Francisco there's only one other way and it's like really long around like it's yep. hours the other way yeah you got the Golden Gate or you got the Bay Bridge so we just were like okay let's walk the Golden Gate Bridge and it it was closed and uh I worked with a construction worker to to get the shot right down the middle on the empty bridge so that was fun that is a very rare photo so then you decided to sell these photos yep could you like tell a little bit more about that because i feel like this is the point where so many people would stop like they'd be taking great photos and not really have the the confidence maybe or 
the know-how to go to the next step and say like, maybe I can make money on this or turn this into a business. Yeah. So, you know, this gear is not cheap. (laughs) So I had to justify that at like some point. Um, But really, actually, part of it too was just everybody kept asking, can I buy a photo for my wall? Right? Like they were going to Ikea and buying like the stock photo that comes in the frame of like the Bay Bridge. And I'm like, no, that's not good. Like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put these up online. Like, uh, I, I try to like just price it enough that it's like, you know, covering my costs and like maybe a little bit of my gear. Uh, the goal is not to like make this into a million dollar company or anything like that. But, uh, I do think it's important to make your hobbies, you know, maybe your work. Um, and you don't want it to ever feel like work, but if you can get paid for your hobbies, like that's, that's awesome. It's pretty dope. Are you worried at all about the money starting to change the way you take photos? the money side changing how you want to capture something or like not yet that hasn't that hasn't even crossed my mind yet that's the first time i'm even thinking about this a lot of people would say don't make money from your hobbies right i i guess i i don't i think it's how you approach it so you can say you're doing your hobby to make money or your hobby just happens to make you money right I think you you always have to like self check yourself as well, and like it's really hard, right? Yeah. There's a lot of great creative people who like sell out at the end of the day because like they know the money is like just too good, um, and their skills are like money's pretty neat. Yeah, money works out. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, like any money that I make from it is going to go like right back into the gear and stuff. So hopefully, it just helps cre- keep creating better photos, or maybe it goes to like helping me get to more expensive places like Iceland, right? Which go. I really want to go to. <laughs> so buy my photos. <laughs> no. Send me to Iceland. <laughs> when a hobby or a side project becomes self-sustaining, oh, it's the best feeling. Or or even when it like encourages you to do more of it. It's just so good. Yeah, I know these guys, they started a podcast and now they have a bunch of sponsors and everything. So what else do you do to get away from work? What else do I do to get away from work? Um, One thing that i do and i i've been cutting back on this a lot so i played a lot more video games before i was taking photos uh now that i'm like going on all these adventures i don't feel like playing video games as much it's like real life video games but uh yeah no it is (laughs) it's pokemon snap in the real world (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's a good point um gotta catch them all um but uh yeah no i liked video games uh i've actually i would say i've I've learned a lot from video games even um, just in terms of like how you apply strategies, how you learn. Um, I, I take in those things and applied them to my, my career. Um, things like Starcraft strategies, right? Like, Headshots. Grinding. Yeah. No, that, yeah. It's like, this is a lot of like, <laughs> these are real world lessons. So RuneScape taught me everything I know. There's this game called agar.io. Yeah, I've, heard, I've seen this. Have I don't ever, know what it is. Okay, yeah. you guys have to check out Agar, A-G-A-R dot I-O. It's a weird name. Um, basically, you start as a little tiny blob, and you can absorb pellets to become a bigger blob. Yeah. And then once you're like a little bit bigger than the smallest blobs, you can absorb them. So uh, you start as this small blob. You can absorb other blobs that are other players. Like They're all real players. And as soon mm-hmm. as you get absorbed, that's it. You start over as a small blob again. And you keep working up until you're like... This sounds like allegory for design industry. This this is an <laughs> allegory for 
life. Like I'm telling you, I started looking at this and applying it to companies, right? Like so, like the bigger blobs then start eating like you, like, and eventually you grow so big that you're the biggest blob. And then you fuck shit up. But you move really slow. But you move really slow. Yep. So you you can't acquire blobs at that point. You're so slow. So what you end up doing is breaking off pieces of yourself and giving it to other blobs, which then end up like helping you out and feeding back into you. Like it ends up becoming this ecosystem where almost like when you see companies um, acquiring other companies like Google acquiring Nest, right? Like Google's giving Nest a lot of their money, a lot of their resources, but they still want Nest to run on their own, right? Because Google knows like it's in their best interest if like Nest can build up as its own brand and its own company. Right. So um, I don't know. Like I found that like comparison in this game. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. They want that Tony Fidel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's a reference to are those agar dishes? Agar? Petri, petri dishes? But it's isn't it called agar when it has the stuff in it? The no sugar idea. in it? Well, you were at Ant-Man the other night and you were telling me that you really loved that movie. What... What I thought was it is the best Marvel movie since the first Iron Man. And the reason I say that is... Spoilers? No spoilers. No, no, no spoilers. It feels new. It doesn't feel like the same repeated plot line over and over. It's like heisty. Yes. Yeah. I it's, agree. It's yeah. very different. And it has not even just in the plot, but also the way they introduce characters, the way they, the way they handle the, the, the dialogue it felt like something fresh and yeah. i was happy for that i absolutely agree the biggest we've all seen it all three of us the whole movie i was just cracking up and like it's a serious movie in the sense that there's lots of production that goes into it and it's part of the marvel universe but it doesn't take itself very seriously like they make fun of marvel and like the universe that they're living in i thought that was really cool. yeah it it had emotional stakes it was personal all the way through but my biggest complaint was like the character development was wonderful however it was extremely predictable of course yep that was everyone's biggest complaint i was like yep the world doesn't we're done now it's it's superhero movie the villain was a little bit of a yeah he's just along for the ride he wasn't yeah he wasn't that character in the comic books and that bothered me so that's i'm I'm gonna say yeah i'm saving this yeah for something else (laughs) anything more you want to say about that Nope. Let's uh, migrate back to the design I, I've tweet-teased it a little bit. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. You want to move back to design? Sure. You, you cool, Brent? I don't believe in design <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it's all about movies. But I feel like the more and more we do this show, like we have to come up with new... It's not the design we need. It's the, <laughs> <laughs> it's the design we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need like... I like the topical stuff. So what's going on in the design world right now that's maybe piquing your interest or or something that you could see yourself working on. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I think we're starting to beat the dead horse on, but I think it is an important topic to keep talking about is uh, the designer's seat at the table. Okay. And we're sitting at a table. Perfect. Nailed it. Done. We, we accomplished We've all solved the, the problem okay, right now. Okay. Well, wait, before you even get into this, I would love to hear your definition of what that means to have a seat at the table. Yeah. So to me, having a seat at the table means... When you are deciding what direction the company is heading, you are talking about the aspirational goals, the business goals, the marketing goals, and the design goals, right? And a lot of times design gets left out of that, the product goals as well. And I think, I think part of that is in a lot of companies, design hasn't 
shown enough maturity to really deserve that seat at the table. I think a lot of people view it as, you know, visuals, mm-hmm. even to this day, even after all of these conversations, it's just pretty, it's just pretty icing on paint. the cake, right? And I think part of it is product needs to appreciate design more. And I think design needs to appreciate product more. I think the best directors of product or VPs of product have a really good design sense. And I think the best directors of design have a really good product sense. Um, and I think, I think both sides need to kind of come together. Like, I'm not saying it's just designers. Fault. A director of product design. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, the role is one and the same, right? I, I think sometimes the director of product or VP of product really is the same person that, that is the VP of design or director of design. They're so integrated, right? It's really hard to make a design decision without affecting the product. Yeah. It does. So, How would you counsel someone that's maybe working at, uh, I guess, a big company, small company that doesn't have that seat at the table right now, but wants to try and start that conversation with the CEO, the, the higher-ups, the executive yeah. team? How do you even start that conversation? You really, you know, a lot of designers, and I think this is why why so many designers choose not to go this route. You you kind of have to speak in a different language, right? You have to you have to sit down with the CEO and say, okay, what are the business goals? And a lot of, for a lot of designers, it's like, no, I just want to be a designer and I want to like sit in Photoshop and create things. Or maybe not just sit in Photoshop, but they just want to create things. But if you start having those conversations about what are the business goals, right? And like money is a big part of that. Customer acquisition is a big part of that. You have to talk about those things. And like, yeah, they're not glamorous. They're not fun. It's not why you became a designer. But if you, if you start to understand how the business works, it's going to make you a much better designer, much more effective designer. So how, do, how are you taking that into a place like Teespring? Do you yeah. feel like there's a pretty good design culture there? Um, yeah. And I think, I think it's improving a lot too. And I think the way it started improving was sitting down with all the PMs you know, asking them what their goals are in their projects. And a lot of times a designer solution is is like way over the top, way too hard to execute on. It's probably like the ideal solution if you had all the resources in the world and all the time in the world, but a lot of the projects need to like launch, right? So helping both sides like find that middle ground where it's still functional and beautiful and it can be built quick, right? I think, you know, doing that that's like something on the small level, on the bigger level, figuring out, you know, what are the business's goals and how can we as a design team help show the company how to move in that direction. A lot of people are actually way more visual than you think. They might know what the goals are, but they might not know how to get to those goals. And as a design team, you can show them, right? You might be able to paint the picture with a with a story with with, you know, maybe 10 mocks that you as a team do put together in a keynote maybe and say, this is what I think Teespring should be in six months or a year. And a lot of times, like, you know, it might even seem trivial to you as a designer because it's been in your head the whole time. But when you show it to the whole company, a lot of people are like, whoa, this is like really cool. Like I get the, I get the big picture now. Um, And that, I think that's how designers can be more effective. I think that's something I hear a lot is, people don't communicate well with design because designers keep their their concepts in their head. They don't communicate it well enough. And that's something that is like a really hard 
frankly, design challenge, right? Like communicating that is difficult. Communicating what's in your head and making sure that everyone's on the same page so people aren't like frustrated with you or like just thinking you're not doing anything or whatever. It's like, no, you're working toward a goal. You're just, it seems obvious to you. So you don't feel the need to share. And it with takes anyone. effort, right? Yeah. And, and like, this was a huge mistake earlier in my career, like huge. I was always like, it's so obvious if I have to communicate it with you, I don't even want to work with you. Like, like, and that's such a pretentious thing, right? That's like a terrible thing. You don't want to be that guy. Like, that's not a team player. I feel like a lot of, of junior designers start that way, though, right? Yep. Like, they're like, oh, my God, I, I just get it. and You don't. It's, yep. Why, why are you even doing this? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So in our, in our last, uh, I guess, when yours comes out, it'll be two episodes ago, we caught up with Heraldr Thorlifson and I love he said one of the skills that designers should be working on, even more than this argument about designers should code, blah, 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 should be designers should write and designers need to learn how to communicate. And he came from a communication design background. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, he's been so effective in what he's doing. And like, I just think about what you're saying and it's not even communication within the product, like what text goes on a button, but also communication to the team and the people that are building it like and communication to yourself okay what do you mean by that so no matter what meeting it is always take notes like even if you feel like i'll remember this no matter what take notes because it helps hone in on those skills and i always i always say this uh when people are asking like for just general advice and how to be effective in a company make bullet lists for everything like make bullet lists, whether it's a task list, whether it's a project. Um, and I, I like, it seems obvious, but like once you start doing it, you start to look at everything differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's I, much I, more as though everything is executable. Yes. Okay. Everything's much more executable. And then you can start moving things around and saying, okay, I'm going to move this to the maybe someday list. Right. And you and, can't cross things off unless they exist somewhere first. Yep. It's very true. Otherwise, you do the same thing, Brent. Oh, uh, he's his coaster is where I write things down right now. Yeah, you do write everything down. I carry field notes with me everywhere. Do you carry a notebook everywhere as well? Uh, no, I use my phone. I just use. Oh, the really? Note, the, I use the notes app. I know it's weird. I don't use any. That apps is weird. Are you Correct. on iOS nine? Yeah. Uh, no, not iOS nine. I'm so excited about that. Yeah, though. I was gonna say. I was like, notes is finally they're gonna be better for you. Yeah. The, the markdownish features. Yeah. yeah, I use Wonderlist for teespring stuff but everything else in my life is all through the notes i do use wonderlist for work stuff quite often just it's i mean i can't share my notebook with everyone so if it's something that affects the team directly yeah i definitely use wonderlist um so the other thing i think that people don't communicate well is how to roadmap something yeah a lot of people will just be like well we want all these things so let's just launch with all of them yep and and when you were mentioning that you kind of have to be able to move fast people just don't think in terms of that especially at a junior level people think are like well if it's perfect it it has to have everything you know we can't launch without it being perfect every every designer not every designer but a lot of designers look up to apple right they see this company that only launches like these polished like super big releases right super big is right i'd say yeah it's kidding (laughs) yeah i mean i would say Uh, you know things have changed things have definitely changed um over the years um but you know, you, you inside you're like you have this dream and you want the whole dream to come true. And a lot of times you feel like if every piece isn't there, the whole thing will fall apart. Yeah. And 
you know, I, I had the luxury of actually, you know, trying to launch things like that in the past and realizing, you know, even when the whole dream is there, it still might fall apart. So it's much better to launch in smaller pieces so it falls apart faster than putting all the effort into launching something huge and it falling apart. So now you're not explicitly saying it, but are you talking about like MVPs? Or? Yeah, MVPs. Okay. Yep. So what I commonly see people do with MVPs is they just, they try and design everything at once or create everything at once, but like not well. They try and just rush everything to market instead of building one piece and then adding onto the platform and slowly building it up. Like if you build shitty bricks because you're like cutting time there, that's bad. If you start one brick at a time, but they're nice bricks, that's a good start. Like yep. you don't want to build a wall of shitty bricks because then, then you have to redo the whole thing to, to have something good. You can't take one brick out and place it at a time. To an extent, right? No, you have to demolish. How a long do you? <laughs> no, but how long do you spend perfecting each brick? Yeah, because you want a you want a house, right? Yeah, like, it, that's the goal. You need something to stand behind, right? It 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 all depends on like the the business goals, the customer, right? Right. Like if you're building luxury houses, yeah, you have to spend a lot of time on every brick, or else it's not gonna. You got to compress those bricks into diamond bricks and. <laughs> Let them pressure. Now it sounds like Minecraft. I get behind this. Minecraft design. Minecraft design. We should prototype in Minecraft. That would actually be really interesting. (laughs) Someone needs to like rebuild like big web pages in Minecraft. Like make the Google homepage. God, that sounds terrible. (laughs) And the thing is, someone's going to do it eventually. Somebody's probably already doing this. This is infinite monkeys on infinite typewriters. <laughs> that is the exact <laughs> build the Google homepage in Minecraft. They <laughs> <laughs> should write that piece of code. Actually, I I just read a piece today about how someone took a bunch of money and got a bunch of monkeys and a bunch of typewriters, and all they did was <laughs> mash the S key, poop on the keyboard, and throw a rock. <laughs> I I have to believe that this is not like a fully serious article, but God, it was so funny. It was funded by VCs. There you go. <laughs> but given infinite time. They were unicorn monkeys. Mm. 10x monkeys. <laughs> Do you believe in unicorn designers? Um, so my definition of a unicorn designer is just a designer who is very rare. Right? I think... Or I Mr. Think Clean with hair. I think the industry... <laughs> what? <laughs> that was a little Wayne line. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think the industry has taken the term and kind of like abused it in the wrong way like the way that industry has been using unicorn is a designer who can do everything which okay i guess that's rare but what about a designer who's just like super good at coding like they can write javascript they can write backend and they can design right like i've seen designers like that and like that to me is also a type of unicorn they might not be like that's like a hippogriff (laughs) Maybe a Pegasus. Coined. <laughs> That's can yeah. we that, can that, we dude? Will you make a uh, a in, chart an of, infographic of horses? <laughs> a spectrum horse uh, variants from <laughs> from mule mule to unicorn. Oh god, I like this idea. The, Work mu- the mule goes there. up the thing on stage is, and yells at people. The thing is, if you make this, actually, it will go it will go viral on Twitter. Right, everyone will share this. Like the spectrum of of designers, <laughs> the spectrum of horse designers. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool. <laughs> the unicorn can do it all. Wait, I'm going to work on this. The unicorn. If you don't see this, I'll do it. No, this is actually a good idea. This is actually a good idea. Yeah. 
someone Shit. has to do this. If anyone's Periscope listening, don't do this. Have you guys seen? <laughs> We're gonna do this. Have you guys seen that Business Town thing where it, they draw um, parts of, I guess, Silicon Valley in in the style of Richard Scarry's? Uh, what is it? Busy Town. That's so. Awesome. What's it called? Yeah, Busy Town. Yeah, it, right? it's like that's it's that's like Startup Town yeah. or something like that. I don't know what this is. It's it, that reminds me of like the Silicon Valley startup. Richard Scarry's Busy Town. Did, did you? Yeah, this was the best game ever, man. Oh, so good. There's a. Dude, I was talking about. There's a worm games. who drove an apple. I learned a lot from games, even when I was a little. Kid. Talks about the programmers. Was, oh god, this is a great game. We'll put this in the show notes because God, it's so funny, dude. I used to love flying the Apple helicopter. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Right? I, oh, I do. Yes, absolutely. That, that Apple helicopter, man. So in the in the books, it would have like have these characters and they would just kind of like describe how they feel and what they think and things like that and just words around them they're children's books right um this there's one for a thought leader and he has a messiah complex and buzzwords and salvage genes and the <laughs> thought leader articulates bleeding edge insights within a relevant cultural narrative at tedx okoboji <laughs> <laughs> amazing business town that's what they call it they call it business oh, town. business town Welcome to businesstown.tumblr.com. It's amazing how easy we get sidetracked. God, it's so good, <laughs> though. It's so worth it. Okay. Um, I, I do like your, your definition of a unicorn, though. I think I just don't know. I don't know anyone that could do everything really well. That's, that's why I don't like yeah. how the industry uses the word unicorn. Like, I don't want someone who can just do everything okay. It discourages focus. Yeah. I like, you know, T-shaped people. I think that's the metaphor I think that's becoming really popular right now is the T-shaped. Yep. Do you want to describe it for anyone that But I think T-shaped people are rare. So in essence, like they're still kind of unicorns to me. Like they can still okay. do a little bit of everything, but they're really good in one specific category, right? Well, ex- explain the the T for anyone that doesn't know. So uh, a T uh if you if capital you, T. Yeah, if you think of somebody's skill sets, right? As a straight line, they're they're good in a little bit of everything as a straight line but they're exceptional in one specific area that's that's where the stem of the t comes from they go really deep yep they go really deep into so, it could be visual design it could be uh coding it could be thought leadership right it could be just execution right is thought leadership a skill um it can be if you're really good at communicating it so i i consider that person someone who's really good at making concepts really good at um writing stories and helping uh everybody on the team like rally around a certain idea right okay i think like i think that's actually that's those are the people that end up becoming like the leaders in the company right it's thought leadership yeah you know i think we give a lot of people shit isn't that for, just normal leadership <laughs> yeah well, okay but i, I thought I thought leadership buzz, means buzzword no no, no, thought no leadership no. is leadership but with medium articles well okay <laughs> no that's what i was gonna say i think we give a lot of shit to people who do the medium article stuff which a lot of them are, yes, they're bad. But I do appreciate that there are at least still people that are trying to write about it and trying to share knowledge because I look at some of the the best designers that, that I know and that we've had the chance to meet and I think about like, what are they sharing with the world? And the answer is not that much until they come on shows like this or they do maybe the occasional interview, but they're actually not, they're learning so much, right? They're switching companies, they have this wide range of experience, but they're really not sharing the world kind of the key things right and, and just, part just of it their is, personal brand yeah now part of it is because you know if we are so negative about people writing medium articles 
then it discourages the best people. Yeah, it's going to discourage people. And you know what? Even people who aren't the best, like you have to start somewhere. Like, what are you going to write for yourself and then never publish? Actually, I do that, right? Like, I write things. <laughs> Who and doesn't I have drafts? I probably I have about eight drafts right now, and I don't publish them because I'm like, hmm, what do, what will the internet say about this, right? Like, it's it, it. You have to. We have to embrace and encourage each other. Um, if it's not good, don't share it, right? Like, you don't have to be negative. You don't have to yell at the person for it. When I first got started, I was blogging about. Uh, I wrote Photoshop tutorials. And people would come on my blog and comment and say, you can actually do that in this way better. <laughs> and that's how I learned Photoshop. Wow. I would follow a tutorial, take the concepts, write my own tutorial, and then people would comment and tell me how to do that thing better. And you learn shit that way. And I feel like we've lost that. Now it's like, uh, retweet this Medium article and add a comment on Twitter, like more fluff shit. I don't know. The best thing about Brian is that most people have an id and an ego. Brian's ego was removed at birth and, and placed <laughs> on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> He's seen it before, but he doesn't remember quite what it looks like. <laughs> That's funny. That's cool. I I remember those Photoshop tutorials. I don't, not yours specifically, but just in general. <laughs> just in general. Those are some good I, tutorials. Man, I haven't read like a f- Photoshop tutorial in forever now. Like I feel like they're they're not really that much of a thing anymore. It's solved. Yeah, people just. <laughs> no photoshop also design is so flat now like all you do is draw boxes so i'm gonna get i'm gonna get hate mail there's some pretty ass boxes i'm gonna get hate mail no dude well (laughs) you're not far off i don't think at all um but yeah i don't know i i think back to what i wasn't in the product design world when i got started this was in 2008 when i started that blog you were in preschool when they started uh (laughs) kindergarten actually um But I just remember that that community, it a similar community to what we have now, um, but way more supportive in it terms was way of more supportive. I was just a freaking high school kid, like writing Photoshop tutorials, writing listicles. I had no idea what I was talking about, but just trying to learn. And everyone was supportive. I used to go to Photoshop conferences. It sounds so weird, but there was like Photoshop conferences. I think they still exist. Layers. But, no, like this was a uh, Scott Kelby. Um, he was he's this like big photoshop guy and he used to write books um and like these are like adobe sponsored like big time photoshop conferences and i was like the only 16 year old kid there but everybody was like super supportive yeah like, you were self-taught right yeah yeah pretty much all the way and you started a business pretty early too right yeah so i actually started uh from neopets so if you I guys, mean, who didn't start from Neopets? Who did? <laughs> and I'm glad you... This was originally a Neopets podcast. You're big enough actually. to admit yeah. it, too. I like it. Yeah. And so for those of you who don't know, Neopets was like Tamagotchi online. <laughs> uh, it was like... It was like... <laughs> It was like a game, like a role play game when you'd like raise pets and then you could like battle them against each other and all kinds of stuff. And there was games. It was I like w- Club Penguin meets Pokemon. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. Club Penguin is the closest thing I can think of today. That's to Neopets. But uh, I started a club or a guild, as they called it, on Neopets. <laughs> uh, it was the Spy Masters Network. Um, oh, my God. And I, <laughs> I was I was part of your guild. That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Um I actually it ended up becoming one of the biggest guilds. Yeah, on no, I was, I'm so like kidding. it actually, it <laughs> actually wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like, um, but uh, yeah, I learned a lot about business from running that as well. I had a like every guild had a council. Yep, and 
you know, you could do whatever you want with the council, but I would have like weekly meetings with them. Uh, a lot of them are programmers. Um, I found out like, okay, so I'm like, I'm like between like 10 to 12 years old in this, in, in this story. And one of my programmers had been lying to me. He was like, yeah, I'm your same age. And then eventually we became really good friends. He's like, I have something to tell you. I'm nine. And like, he was a great programmer. What? And like, we've stayed really close friends. He's one of my best friends still to this day. And uh, God, he, I thought that was about to be a terrifying yeah, story. Yeah, I thought we were going the completely <laughs> no, 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 opposite no, 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 direction so, here. It was just, it's funny because like, you know, he he was nine years old and like he was sitting on this guild and it was one of the biggest guilds and he's a programmer. Anyway, like uh, side sidebar, he uh, is now starting a job at Google. Um, he's speaking at Black Hat, which is like one of the biggest uh, security conference. I think it is like the, the security conference in the country. If you start so. programming at nine, you fucking should be at Black Hat. <laughs> like he's, right? he's really smart. That's amazing. So uh, I grew this guild up. It was one of the biggest in the in neopets and then i tried to monetize it and that was a big no-no they banned me like just flat out like i tried to sell t-shirts oddly enough right wow foreshadowing <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> uh and uh so that was the end of that but i stayed really good friends with some of those guys and we ended up starting to do like sites for clients like it started with just friends and family and then uh when i was 16 with the help of my dad because of legal issues got incorporated and you know Back then, you could communicate with clients over email. Sites were super simple. It was just marketing pages. There was yeah. never functionality, right? Like, if you could get it to, like, show the time of day, like, clients would pay extra for that, right? So and you'd put webmaster everywhere. Oh, yeah, webmaster. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I would put, like, a little thing at the bottom, designed by Fusion Web Designs. Um, sick. How, how many Fusion Web <laughs> Designs companies intro. do you think there were? <laughs> how many what? Oh, Fusion, so many. So many fusions. Dude, now that you're telling this story, Peak I feel fusion. like... Well, fusion, it was like when I you first... You were Mr. Fusion. I, my mom helped me brainstorm the name fusion. Yes, I was like 16. Of course she helped me. Um, and it was like, I was like, what is fusion? I never heard that before. Actually, it was this was even before I was Homeschooling 16. really failed you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, like, it was like a rare word. There wasn't even like the Gillette fusion razors yet, right? And then like, it was like a buzzword that just took off everywhere. But anyway... Uh, Fast forward, started doing more product work, um, worked as a creative director with an agency for a while, uh, and then ended up working with a lot of San Francisco companies. And eventually I was like, you know what? Like, I, actually, I was so miserable in the agency world. Um, I was about to just quit the industry completely. I hated, I hated the way agencies operated. Uh, I hated like shipping my work and saying goodbye and watching it get trashed and uh at what age was this this was about 18 um i i was taking classes in college as well and i like everybody would come to me after class and ask me for help they wouldn't like the professor's right there and they were coming to me asking me for help and i'd be like okay like i'm not learning in this class like the professor wasn't even interested and i'm like t helping teach other people i was i was ready to quit the industry and i wanted to go to this conference and work wasn't gonna let me go like there was like this was uh this was brooklyn beta actually i wanted to go to brooklyn beta um they weren't gonna let me go so around all around this time like I, I was quitting my job i was going to this conference and i was ready to leave the industry but at brooklyn beta i like rediscovered why i got into the industry right i i was doing that guild because i loved creating things right i loved building up this this community 
right? This almost in essence a product. There was like 90 pages behind that that yep. guild. And Brooklyn Beta helped me see that again, that like you can actually do that. You can actually do what you love uh, and like still like get paid for it and have a living and be normal. Uh, so I started working a lot more with startups at that point. And eventually uh, I came out in 2008. You were where before? No, 2012. Sorry. Uh, before I was at, I had been freelancing for about two years. So which state? Uh, in Florida, uh, Fort Lauderdale. So just north of Miami. Um, so yeah, I, I did that. And uh, that's how I was like working with startups and stuff was when I was freelancing. Uh, and then I flew out here in 2012 and I haven't looked back. So yeah. It totally changes like your capabilities just being here. It's oh, it absolutely. This I was blown away. I thought I was very skeptical of it at first. I, I knew I wanted to come out here, but I wasn't like, oh my God, it's going to change my life. And it's pretty It <laughs> changes insane. your perspective and yeah. not in a, not in like a, a bad way in any way. Like Tara you, you're really so much better at processing your thoughts when yes. you're around the people in the city, when you're working on products and like working with some of the greatest minds, in my opinion. Oh yeah. So I, I, I love it. I think every designer, even if you don't think the culture is right for you, you should at least experience it at some level. You know, maybe an internship, maybe just come work with some companies and like, you know, work out of coffee shops. Crash Design bridge. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Some great, there's some great opportunities to like check it out yep. and get involved. I love bridge. I love awesome the sentiment, program. but obviously there's got to be great designers in other cities that have to build that up. Uh, I mean, I agree with you. I think about like where I was a year, I moved out a little over a year ago, like then to now it's crazy to, to see that. But I also know that that's not really a realistic thing for probably most designers. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. And so what my hope is, I, I would, I always wished that, you know, design would become a thing in Fort Lauderdale or in Miami. And I think, I think things could get to that point if we see like a bubble pop or something and you know, once a bubble pops, everyone hope, heads back to their. <laughs> I hope the next design city is not Miami. Oh, oh no, I don't. I don't <laughs> think Art Deco everything. <laughs> Maybe Boulder. Art Deco and neon. Yeah. I could see Boulder. We already have the neon. Everything is already neon. All right, now. hometown, homeboy. Well played. Continue. No, so I, I think you know if there's a bubble pop or something like that, we'll see it spread. I also think just you know, it's maturing here, and it will it will you know mature in other cities as well i think it will and hopefully i mean well also one of our very vocal goals of shows like this and others that we're working on is to help people that don't have that option like yeah designers in other countries who for visa issues or otherwise can't actually yeah. physically come live here for a year so we want to like hit- expose them to these kinds of thoughts right like this show that's one of the huge goals is just what's it like talking to someone that works at teespring you know until i got here i had no idea that visas were so difficult to come by yeah it's insane no it's it's really sad it's it's amazing it's crazy and we're spoiled yeah my advice to them is you know learn learn a lot about design keep learning your craft but start learning a lot about product and a lot about business that's going to make you a better designer it it might not be glamorous but it it will you'll feel rewarded um you'll You'll learn things and you'll start to actually appreciate why you're doing what you're doing. I think about things like, do you know Patrick McKenzie? 
Patio Levin. Ah, oh, it sounds very familiar. He's huh? he's this guy who's really well known on like Hacker News. Um, but he made this thing called the Bingo Card Creator. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he, I don't know what it's doing now, but he was making tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on this digital bingo card creator. Like that was in some ways designed, but he also understood the business side of it and like that you can sell money or sell this product to make money on it and make it a business. And I feel like that is from people, a lot of people I talk to, that's the disconnect right now is the design side of making products and doing all this versus the making money and like actually acquiring customers and dealing with churn and acquisition, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I think, I think if I recall correctly, what happened was he saw that there was no bingo card creators. It is a very niche product. <laughs> very, very niche. niche. Yeah. But like you can do that. If like yeah. you, like common sense says, if I need a bingo card creator and a lot of people play bingo, someone else like a lot of other people probably need a bingo card creator. So he just did it and it took off. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, he built, broke things down into shippable chunks and he, you know, added features and then eventually was just self-sustaining. And, yeah. um, you know, that could have been any designer. It could have been right. That's and, why I love that story is because yeah. it could have been anyone. He yep. just happened to, to see the opportunity and execute on it. Yep. Awesome. Okay. Well, we are running out of time. Mm-hmm. So before we end, do you have anything you want to plug or shout out? Anything I want to plug or shout out? Um, I guess, you know, Teespring, the, the awesome company I work for, uh, the design team, uh, Jared Arandu, Pedro, Kyle Miller, uh, just awesome, awesome group of designers. I love working with them every single day. Uh, you should check out Teespring and see what we're working on. Uh, maybe come up with an idea, launch a t-shirt, uh, hit me up, let me know teespring.com yeah we'll tweet it or something if you if you do that where can people find your photos uh you can find my photos at sortinophotos.com it's it'll a be in the shopify show notes. it's a, yeah i'll put it in the show notes and <laughs> you'll put it in an excuse you he's doing the show notes this week <laughs> yes thank god we don't have to do it <laughs> um it's a shopify template uh use a uh, promo code besties for life there you go that's is what it, i've been is that ours <laughs> sure uh, yeah is it life with a y can it be no, it's not life with a Y. I is made it, this a while ago. Can life with a Y be ours? Is it for the number four or the word? Four, number four. So besties, number four, life. L-I-F-E. Yes, no Y. But L-Y-F-E is ours. I, you know what? I'm, I have to make that one as well now because <laughs> yes. you, you said it so many yes. times. That one gets it for free. <laughs> um, Nervous laughter. <laughs> uh, 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 no. <laughs> it'll come with a handwritten note. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean uh the the pretty much at cost if uh you want one uh just use that code um uh, trying to think anything else i want to plug uh nothing joshua sortino on twitter uh, yeah so i'm at sortino at sortino if you Damn. go to i have joshua sortino but it just says follow sortino like that's the only tweet <laughs> you troll you troll there's probably some poor joshua sortino out there you know what i register off. my name on everything oh great i shouldn't say this somebody's gonna like go and like find some network i haven't signed up for uh-huh. you could that's have had joshua cool and now you don't uh, <laughs> yeah buy it from me for ten thousand dollars <laughs> uh, no cool. the guy who owns uh, sortino.com he's like apparently he's like a famous hacker or something and uh, he's in jail, but his wife owns all these domains. Like, <laughs> he's I a found famous this, Neopets hacker. I looked up, 
no, I looked up the guy's name, right? And like a lot of people complain that like this guy was a hacker and he stole a lot of domains apparently. And he still has possession of the domains. I don't know how he gets away with it. Like I guess not enough people brought it to the ICANN's attention or whatever it's called. But uh, yeah, he wants $40,000 for it. So for Sortino. For Sortino. I'm the like when you Google Sortino, there's like some mathematical formula named after Sortino. And then there's like me. There's after like, you. There's like, <laughs> there's like no other Sortinos, and yet he wants forty thousand. Is it like a sorting formula? Because that'd be amazing. It's, <laughs> it's like a financial formula. It's like really boring. Sortino sorting. That'd be one. That's actually. Oh man, I need to start a product that does. Some that kind can of be what sorting. we call the scale of sorting designers by type of horse. Sortino. The Sortino scale. Yeah, let's get that other Sortino scale off of copyright. Wikipedia. 2015. Design yeah. details. All rights reserved. Ha! There we go. <laughs> Now I can reference this and create a Wikipedia page. I can reference this as a Wikipedia page. There you this go. is my source. There we go. Awesome, man. Dude, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Chatting. Thanks Appreciate for having it. me. Sweet. And that was episode 46. Hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. Talking about the mule to unicorn scale. Good times. If you did enjoy the show, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Uh, we have open DMs. You can message us feedback or you can Lots just... Lots of people have and it's been awesome. Yeah, we love chatting with people and actually meeting up with people. So if you are in San Francisco and want to meet up, uh, we've enjoyed doing that with several listeners. Also, if you haven't, check out our new podcast network at spec.fm. If you're interested in front-end development, we've teamed up with another show called Developer T that will help you learn front-end and help you be a better developer. Before we go, of course, we also have two sponsors that made this show possible. Huge, huge thank you to Dropbox. You all know Dropbox at this point. I mean, if you didn't know Dropbox before we started telling you about it, you certainly do now. We use it for everything in our lives. It's pretty freaking fantastic. Uh, Having a backup all the time is one of the most reasonable decisions you can make, regardless of whether or not you're like working in design and stuff. Like, It's something you should do. You should have an offsite backup. Dropbox is an amazing solution for this. They are fantastic. You can sync between your computers. You can sync with other people. You can share. You can comment. It's really great. It empowers collaboration. I don't know. I love it. We love Dropbox, and they're making shows like this possible. So check them out. Go to dropbox.com. Our second sponsor is Icon Finder. They've been with us for so long, and they are doing an amazing job at helping make the design community a better place. Uh, first of all, by just helping people find awesome icons so that our all of our designs are looking and feeling much, much better. Uh, but second, by supporting the community, uh, by sponsoring this show. If you go to iconfinder.com, be sure to sign up for Icon Finder Pro. It's an amazing service, and if you use the promo code ROBOT, that'll tell them that we sent you and save you 50% off your first month so check them out at iconfinder.com and we'll see you on wednesday with mark otto the bootstrap bro can we say that no okay and we'll see you on wednesday with mark otto not the bootstrap bro